Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Why, and I'm joined by my buddy Josh Woot. I feel like he's had a better week than the Fox Sports sound guy at the Minnesota Vikings game, but please confirm that for me. Um, I didn't see that, so you got to tell me about that. What? I'm sorry, I'm out of the loop. You did not Fill see the most divined vine of the weekend: the uh, sound technician for Fox Sports running in front of the Vikings as they're heading out of their tunnel. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. I was, I was thinking there was, you know, I was thinking like sound, like he'd picked up on something that he shouldn't have. Or, oh, you know, you're talking like, like a, uh, yeah, like a faux pas I was in the, going uh... the real technical side of things. Sorry. Yes. Yep. All right. Sorry. We're okay. Thank We're God. Okay. I was, I had grave um, concerns yes, my, for you. My week has been far better than that. Yes. I poor, had poor guy. Poor guy. I had grave concerns for you if you hadn't seen that uh, at all, but uh, I'm glad you have. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he's all right. Apparently he's fine. Apparently he's okay. And uh, just a quick shout-out to Pro Kick Australia. They had uh, three punters today named as the Ray Guy Award finalists. So another successful season for, for Pro Kick Australia. Guaranteed an Australian's going to win the Ray Guy Award for the fourth consecutive year now, which is just unbelievable. Their, their dominance over college football punting is unreal, and they're, they're slowly getting more and more in the NFL as well. So kudos to them. And yet, it's just still not enough in the NFL. No. It's, when will they realize, Josh? I don't know. The dinosaurs in the scouting departments surely will, uh, you know, realize that the, the punting technique that the pro kick guys can work in the NFL and change their ways. Jordan Berry's out there killing it. So hopefully, hopefully more and more will learn. I feel like it's a little bit of the old uh, money ball scene where all the old guys are like smoking cigars, talking about, you know, the traditional scouting, and you need this these new blood in here to, to say, hey, this is this punting's not too bad as well. Yep, yep, yep. What's your what's your thoughts on uh, just on week eleven in general? Before we get into some news and some proper talking points and discussion, I, I thought it was not as good as week ten, but uh, for me, like Seattle in the second half of the year, just absolutely money. And the Ravens, they put up a pretty good fight against Dallas, but the the, the O line's just so good it just wears you out you just can't be constantly putting pressure on the quarterback because you're just tired you can't you just can't beat this offensive line it just wears you out just wears you down yeah um which is it's a shame it's a shame that there's not there's no other defensive line out there that is as good as the offensive line is for dallas as well because you're like you're really hoping, I mean, I know um, Denver's when it's on its, you know, when they're on their day, they can be, you know, match it with the best. But that's saying they need to be at their best to just match an average day for the Dallas offensive line. So there's mm. no there's no exact defensive line out there that we can anticipate or hope to see 
match up with that offensive line. So until there is, it's just I think we're just going to get used to this whole trend that the Dallas offensive line is going to be good for a while. But um, yeah, Seattle. I mean, I was expecting that. I was expecting it pretty much to went how unfold how it did. I mean, that was my bold prediction for the week. I was expecting yep. Seattle to win. Um, what was, yeah. What was your thoughts on Wentz's performance? And I thought I, I thought Richard Sherman, what he said was was really good after the game. I'm not sure if you heard it, but I'll read it out now. He said um, he was poised. He wasn't shook. He's a rookie. That's what he is. Uh, he said he's kind of been getting an easy walk through this league, and he ran into some people that, you know, we've been there before. We've seen your looks. We know your plays. So he's going to learn from it, and he's going to work hard, and he's going to come back. And that's that's pretty much it. Like that's probably the toughest defense he's had to face, and it's one of the best defenses of all time in Seattle. There and Sherman's right. I feel like that, like, that's a huge learning curve for Carson Wentz. I, th- I feel like he'll be better for it in the coming years. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, watching it, he, no, he didn't. He didn't play, you know, that badly. It was just Seattle, Seattle, and so you're expecting that. I mean, if Jordan Matthews has got to go, I can't stand watching them. What about Nelson just... Aguilar? Oh, no, Russell he, Wilson's he got went, better hands than, than Aguilar. He should have went ages ago, but I mean, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's a joke. It's yeah. an actual joke. I don't like, you know, sometimes there are passes thrown behind a wide receiver, but that's one out of every 10. Yeah. It's just like these are S- criminal yeah. drops. I feel like we may see a couple of wide receivers mocked to to uh, Philadelphia over the, over the coming months in the lead up to the, to the draft next year, which is in yeah, Philadelphia. Possibly. So nice. uh, we'll wait and see. How that pans out, we should go to that. By the way, do you want to do? I'm, I'm, I'm down. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Lock it in. Uh, some other results. We were they're like obviously Tampa Bay. We're going to get to in a minute. Beating Kansas City ruined uh, my lock of the week. You got your lock of the week up, but we were we were really, you know, kind of correct on the Giants. I know they scraped through and got the win, but we both said we weren't shocked to see if Chicago actually beat them and put up a good fight. And they did do that. So that was another game that, that we expected. And then, obviously, New England just rolled on all cylinders, as we expected. And then Oakland as well today. Although Houston put up a pretty good challenge for a little while, despite uh, some lasers in the eye from Brock Os- uh, from the crowd onto Brock Osweiler. I mean, they might have been trying to give him laser eye correction because he... <laughs> He, to see he threw, he threw, yeah, he finally finally saw Hopkins for a little bit. So, yeah, he knows that man worked. Yeah, the, to uh, so he could actually see where the first down marker is, so he can actually throw yeah. it beyond it. Who who won out of the Packers and the Redskins? The Redskins destroyed uh, them. That's right. Yes. So I haven't worked out how many we got right this uh, this week. So uh, in our thanks, yeah. we're doing a special Thanksgiving preview show on Thursday night here. I'll run through our uh, scores and picks from week 11, but let's get into some NFL news. Injuries galore this week, just a mountain of injuries, so let's get straight into it. Uh, Bengals coach Marvin Lewis expects AJ Green with his hamstring to return this season, but Giovanni Bernard is out for the season. Green's hamstring was feared to be completely torn but apparently it's just a minor tear. So he's out for week 12, and, and it will be questionable or a game-time decision, obviously, for week 13. Uh, Gio Bernard, obviously, torn ACL during the game. It was a weird play. It, he got up and, and, and ran back. like it, it, it felt like it didn't happen, but then, obviously, uh, the test realized that it was a tear in the ACL, and he's out for the remainder of the seasons. But that's that's a brutal loss for one day to lose A.J. Green 
obviously for the season and then, uh, sorry for some time and Giovanni Bernard for for the season when you've already lost so many weapons over the off season. Yeah, and it's it feels like they only just got Eifert back and now they get Eifert back and they have some resemblance of an offense again and then yeah, AJ Green goes out and Bernard's out. Exactly, so. and I had AJ Green in all my Moneyball lineups and everything this week because the, the Buffalo defense gives up the biggest thirty yard plays and Green led the league in thirty yard plays. And it was, of course, it was on the very first catch that he does it and gets a big fat zero. So it, it ruined, uh, I feel bad complaining about my fantasy team. No one cares about your fantasy lineups. But it was just, if it was were to happen, it would have been good to happen at the end of the game at least so we could see, because I feel like that changed the game. Obviously, Cincinnati lost that one. But I feel like if AJ Green played, they they could have won that game and been in the playoff hunt. But I feel like now it's all over for, for Bengals and possibly for Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis, I don't know. It's difficult. I don't know. There's, there's so he lost so many pieces in the off season. I'm not sure how they'll view him. He does have some valid excuses. I, I agree. Yeah, I know whether they, whether they you know give him a little bit of uh, leeway out of like from all the excuses that I'm sure he will have. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Some more injury news. Uh, obviously, the Bengals have had some bad injury luck this year, but I think. Chicago, maybe San Diego's up there as well from the early season, but Chicago have the worst injury luck this season. This is Rap Sheet's tweet from today. He said, from their camp starting lineup, the Bears have now without two quarterbacks, two wide receivers, their tight end, their right guard, their center, their inside linebacker, their cornerback and outside linebacker. Um, he's probably missed a couple as well, but uh, this is on the back of Jay Cutler suffering a shoulder injury in Sunday's Week 11 loss at the Giants, and the Bears are exploring whether it will end Cutler's season. There are a few other details available at this point, so we're not sure yet, but uh, basically it looks like IR may be a possibility for Jay Cutler and Matt Barkley starting for the Bears. Barkley. Matthew <laughs> Barkley. Wow. They golden pony boy. The former possible number one pick, <laughs> then Saturday year. Got drafted in the third round of Philly, then went to Arizona, now is in Chicago. Wow. What a roller coaster for Matt Barkley. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. (laughs) I feel for Bears fans. It's a season from hell. You lose Zach Miller as well to a broken foot for the season, and Jarrell Freeman for a month with a suspension. That really shocked me, Jarrell Freeman. That that kind of annoyed me because uh, I really like him as a player, and he was great for the Colts last year on the PEDs. Not good. Uh, But... For Cutler, I think if he is on IR, that's it. Do you think that should be that? That's it for his career in Chicago. I don't know. Cutler seems to me like he's the Chuck Pagano of players. Like he'll just <laughs> he'll get an extension out of this year <laughs> somehow. Just walk into it. Although John Fox really wants to wash his hands clean of Cutler for good. I, I feel like there's there's rumours that he's told close friends that he can't wait to see the back of Jay Cutler. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But Matt Barkley in the coming weeks for Chicago. Thankfully, no primetime games for the Bears. So we'll move on to a decent quarterback, and that's Andrew Luck. He's in the concussion protocol, and the Indianapolis Stars' Zach Kiefer considers it highly unlikely that Luck is cleared in time for Thursday night's game against the Steelers. So he, you know, Luck had a brilliant first half and then took a hit late in the fourth quarter, and you can see his head hit the ground and... Uh, he showed no signs of symptoms at all, but they, the symptoms popped up late on Sunday night, according to coach Chuck Pagano. The Colts are prepping as if Scott Tolzian will make the start on Thanksgiving. So Scott Tolzian in prime time 
against Big Ben and the Steelers. Get around that. Uh, yeah. I mean, very, very exciting. It's... Do you reckon Tolzian will play? You yeah. No yes. chance for luck? No. I, I, there's a, also a report out today from uh, Stampede Blue, Josh Wilson over there, that it may be a multi-week injury for luck. The concussion might be that bad that he may miss multiple weeks. And if that's the case... I still think this is a blessing in disguise. Why? It could be. I and really I, 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 I could be. I tweeted that on uh, yesterday. I said, I'm sick of the Colts in, in this middling... Like, I just want them to either be really good or suck because I feel like we're just going in circles and going nowhere. We're going good enough that Chuck Pagano stays and, and Ryan Grigson stays, and we just end up just in this horrid cycle. But I feel like the win against Tennessee means that we've doomed ourselves now that the Texans are going to somehow survive and, and win the division, which is unfair because I feel like Titans are a better team than the Texans, and, and they're far more exciting to watch. Yeah. I mean, lasers <laughs> or not. <laughs> I know the lasers. It was the most exciting part about that. I know about and the Texans Osweiler, offense. Osweiler's not throwing any lasers. They're the only lasers on the field. The ones that are showing his oh! Well done. Oh, yeah, well no, done. That, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, agree. I, I I sound like I'm complaining because it's the Colts and and I look. I do think it might be a blessing in disguise for us overall in terms of how we look at the season. But it also it could give Pagano an excuse. Look, we lost luck again. Like wait. Give me a full 16 games with luck. But I do have an issue. Like, I really, like, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving. i got work off. It's going to be a good day for me. I don't want to watch Scott Tolzien in prime time. But I feel like Thursday night football needs to go. I love the extra day. Or they need to tweak it a little bit. Because just seeing, like, Keekley as well on a short week, he gets concussed. Like, all these players are just really struggling. The Panthers lost so many injuries on Thursday night after backing up. And it's just... I feel like it's not sustainable and it's ruining the quality because Thursday night games are never that entertaining anyway because the the guys are tired. They've had like three days rest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to comment on how much rest a player needs or anything like that because we have no idea what it feels like. But, yeah, it always seems to just benefit the home team and, like, especially if you're a team that has to travel cross-country as well and on short rest, it's just... A recipe for disaster. It just it, doesn't work. It is. And I, I love, I think Thanksgiving is the lone exception where Thursday night football is okay, so it's a bad time for me to be bringing this up. But maybe they can try and have the teams that are playing have their bye the week before or or something like that to try and at least extend the week, the, the window there for them. And, like, the Redskins played, uh, you know, Sunday night football, and now they've got to play, travel across to Dallas again for the short week in a must-win game for them to keep to stay alive in the division and... and possibly go for the title of the division so it seems just crazy to me but that's a discussion i guess for another time i feel like uh thursday night football is locked in because it just makes so much money for the nfl uh coach pete carroll confirmed cj prosar suffered a fractured scapula and he'll be re-evaluated in a couple of weeks carroll said there's no estimate on a recovery time and the team won't know for weeks, but it's probably safe to assume that he'll miss the re- the rest of the regular season. Rap, rap sheet today said that playoffs would be his best-case scenario. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to call in a player like Procise to help out in, if they make the playoffs either. It's not like he's such a difference maker or anything like that that they're going to want to, you know, oh, let's see what spark Procise can give us because what roles... You saw Rolls as soon as he made his first run. The crowd got so behind him. And he's, his first run was something like nine yards, which, you know, isn't out of this world, but it's a good run. 
and yep. you know he's a he's an emotional guy as well he just gets up and it wasn't like he over the top celebrated or anything but you could see how pumped up he was to just have a good run first run and everything like that and the crowd really got behind him so i think this is the guy rolls is the guy mm, anyway yeah i still feel like process is a difference maker in the passing game as a passing down back we We've seen it. We saw it against the Patriots, how big of a role he played. So, like, I feel I agree with you in that if he if he's not ready at all and it's, like, thrown straight into a playoff game, I don't think Seattle's the type of organization that will do that. But if he is ready and has been practicing for a few weeks, I feel like they could unleash him in the playoffs as, a, as an X factor for them because... Do you reckon they regret getting rid of Michael? Probably now because they need... Like, what if Rawls goes down? Like, he's not just exactly... makes no sense why they got rid of him so quickly. And well, There it, has to be something. It, it, be it made sense when Prosas dusted off that 76-yard run, which was just an amazing play. And then Rawls, as you said, you mentioned nine yards not being as, as impressive as a 76-yard run, but between the tackles and... And that, you know, up-the-gut style of running is Rawls' forte. It's very Lynch-like, uh, and that's why they love him. So I can see when, when Prosas and him are healthy, I can see why they got rid of Michael, but how are they supposed to suspect that, you know, Prosas would fracture his scapula just a day later? It's just un- I know. unfortunate you know timing. They've got a lot of running backs, though. They do have Alex Collins as well that they drafted. So they do have some, but not quite quality of Christian Michael, but I think Prosas is a big loss. I actually do think he is an X factor for them. Uh, I've got a serious man crush on the on the guy, but let's uh, move on to some good news. The Falcons signed right tackle Ryan Schrader to a five-year $32 million extension through 2021. Rap Sheet reported the deal today. It's $12.5 million guaranteed. That's incredible deal for them because I think he's one of the best right tackles in the NFL, especially in the run game, he's he's phenomenal. Twelve and a half guaranteed for five years for that guy—that's that's insane to me. I know it's still not money to laugh at. No, it's still a, a that's, serious chunk. But yeah. I mean, he can. I mean, prior to this season, though, it's not like he was lighting the world on fire. Mm. So I think it's he a was very under the, decent. He was very under the radar last year, just while being good. But now that that this line has got Alex Mack and Jake Matthews playing well and Andy Levitre. Feel like because the whole line's playing better that he's getting a lot more attention. I think all the I think both guards and both tackles can give a big thank you to Alex Mack. Yeah. How much he's improved the line, and yeah. I think that I, I don't. To be honest, I don't think the line would be anywhere near as solid as it is without Alex Mack in the middle. I think that all it, I don't know if it's if it's an organization thing or you know he just I don't know because the center has a lot to do with you know just their their direction and their organization yeah. and, you know, their planning. I think, yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, it, you can see what effect it's having for Matt Ryan as well. The whole yep. team's playing better. We'll, we'll never understand the secret world of Alex Mack. <laughs> uh, I like that. Thank you. Some Nickelodeon drops from me. Just dropping it there. But, no, great deal for the – I reckon if he would hit free agency, he could have got double that in guaranteed money, really, where you saw Mitchell Schwartz get – a bucket load of money from the Chiefs in, in free agency. So, yeah, I think that's a great deal. Good, good for the Falcons to lock them, lock him up, a young player through twenty twenty one. Hey, Woot, have you heard of Moneyball dot com dot au? 
Have I heard of Moneyball.com.au, Australia's first daily fantasy site down under? You've heard of daily fantasy sports in the States. Now, Moneyball has brought it to our shores. With daily NFL contests, it's like a new season every day. If you don't win, don't worry. There is always tomorrow. Moneyball.com.au All right, let's start with the NFL kickers. They They missed a record 12 extra points on Sunday. And I'll, I'll drop some stats here, and then I've got a question to ask you. So the NFL kickers, they're actually 44 from 45 on field goal attempts from 32 to 33 yards this year, but they've missed an astounding 48 extra points from that same distance. Then Michael David Smith tweeted this. He said extra points missed in the entire 2011 season was 7, entire 2012 season was 6, entire 2013 season 5, entire 2014 season 8, and then just in one day we had 12. So, you know, it's now at 93.6% of the time as opposed to 99.3% before the rule change. Do you think the rule change the rule change is good for the game? I think it makes kickers... How do I say this? I'm not saying that a kicker's job isn't important or isn't valuable or anything like that, but when you compare how much players get paid and for what they do... Kickers get paid very handsomely for the amount of work that they do. And I feel that like now this is kind of justifying their paycheck, if you like, <laughs> the, the pressure and, you know, what goes on. Whether or not kickers have too much say and power or like that they can decide the outcomes of these missed kicks that I don't know. But I, I like the fact that I, I can't, it's a complete, you know, freak thing that they're missing more extra points out of the same distance as the field goals they're converting. That's yeah. just bizarre. That's well, something that you just kind of like... Yeah. Out. See, the thing I think with that is, and I, 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 when I first saw it, my initial thought was, what the... <laughs> like, how does that even make sense? 44 out of 45, and you've missed 48 from the same... But then I thought about the defences, right? When you're kicking a field goal, you cannot jump offside. You can. You got to be really careful. You're not hitting the kicker because if you do do anything wrong and there's a flag on the play, it can result in a first down, and then ultimately you can cost your team more points. Whereas at an extra point, if you do that, you're not really the detriment isn't that bad. So you can actually take risks and apply a lot more pressure, and I think that makes it a lot harder for kickers because there's there's far more pressure and and people jumping and and all that sort of stuff. Where whereas the field goals they're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I think it's it's better, though, that the kick isn't an automatic kick. I think the kick is still important due to just, like, the mathematics of the game and how, you know, mm. um, how much a field goal is, like, weighted and things like that. I feel like the extra point is still necessary, especially the fact that there's two-point conversions and the whole bunch. I like that. Yep. I think I, I, I still like the fact that you're, like, this team, you know, is down, but they can still come back if they get two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. Like, I like that. Still having that hope in the back of your mind that that mm. can still happen. I like that whole thing. But I, but I also like the fact that an extra point means, you know, it's not just a robotic yeah. go out there, kick it. I'm mixed on it. You know, it's just process. I'm mixed on it because I, I, I really worry about, like, you know, a, a quarterback rallying his team back and putting them level or, or needing the extra point to go level and your kicker just ruins it for him after he's had an amazing day and deserves a win. We judge, we don't, we don't judge quarterbacks solely on wins, but when you look at 
successful quarterbacks and things, and a lot of debates are over, you know, wins and losses. But if kickers missing an extra point changes, you know, the, the losses column for a quarterback, it, it looks differently in the record books and the statistics and the history books. So I, I feel like they may have too much power, but I do like that it may force more two-point conversion, which which I find entertaining, which I think is better for the game, more two-point attempts. So I think maybe if they move the two-point conversion to the one and then maybe put the field goal back to where it was, maybe you'd still see more teams go for two. I'm not sure. I just, I'm really scared about kickers just ruining a classic. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've spoken that, it, you know, it's a team game though. Yeah. So, I mean, true. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think, I mean, I think this is good for Australians, Australian kickers. Yeah, I think. seriously, how does Brad Craddock not have a job though? Like, it just it just blows my mind. Lou Groser, award winner, just and I know it was really windy apparently on the on the uh, east coast of the states on the weekend, and that resulted in a lot of a lot of those kicks and made it a nightmare for kickers. But there's just been some really bad ones. Uh, I did love a tweet that said that all these kickers were missing kicks to pay homage to Blair Walsh after he lost his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, who knows? Who knows? There might have been a there might be in a group chat on WhatsApp or something. Imagine that. Just... Imagine a kickers WhatsApp group with just all the NFL, all thirty two kickers. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. It would be lit. But uh with the two point conversions, after after Sunday, so not including or well, we didn't have any today, but uh thirty six of sixty seven two point conversion attempts have been successful, so that's 53.7% of attempts. So meaning if a coach elected to go for two every time, they'd likely finish with more points than if they'd relied on the 93.6% chance of an extra point being successful. Yeah, and I'd also, I'd love to start seeing more. Like, I think keep it at the same distance, move it to the one. That's what originally I thought the plan was going to be. Yep. I think that was, uh, some teams voted for that, but it didn't get, that wasn't the end decision, obviously. I yep. think... I think if they moved it to the one, kept it where it is now, still have the distance that it is now, yep. I think that would increase the chances uh, or the likelihood that a coach will decide to go for two. I like the fact that, you know, say, I mean, uh, I'm trying, if you're Mike a, Tomlin. Yeah, if Mike you're Tomlin, often. right? He goes, he, you know, goes for two points more, more often than other coaches in the league. I feel that after a while, Teams are going to be like, all right, this is what they're going to do in this situation, kind of thing. And there's, they're they're going to only have so many plays that they can run, mm. and then it's going to it's going to start get interesting. And you you know that they're going to do like a, a handful of plays, and which one they're going to pick, yep. or then is it going to be a trick play or whatever? They're going to be more creative. Yeah, and it's going to get you know super exciting, especially. Exactly. I mean. Chip Kelly, it must be eating away at him that he can't do these kind of things with a team that he has and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it would be good. It would be good. We'll wait and see. But you're right. I, I do, like, if especially if you're the, the Steelers or the Redskins or, or a high-powered offense, I feel like just do it every time because it gives you the chance. I wouldn't mind seeing them, like, say, you can put it anywhere from the one to the – on the one or anywhere up to the five. So that way you could open the playbook a little bit more, have a little bit more oh, space yeah. to work I with. Wish, I wish you could not – Illegal formations, but I wish you could do more college formations if you were going for a two. Yeah, just throw out the rule books for the two point conversion. Yeah, I'm like, I love seeing the Oregon players where they line up three on the right, three on the left in triangle formations, and then mm. you just you have no idea where the ball's going. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next topic, and it is Kirk Cousins. He is about to get paid. Is he dollar, better than Tyrod Taylor? Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> we're going to go down that rabbit hole. We're going to first take it up. <laughs> 
No, I'll, <laughs> discuss I'll, the twelfth and thirteenth best quarterbacks in the league. <laughs> <laughs> nah, look, uh, we were harsh on Kirk Cousins uh, after the first what two three weeks, and he wasn't playing good. Let's be honest, he was very. Uh, I think he was near the bottom of a lot of statistical categories for quarterbacks, but uh, he's upped his play the last few weeks. So basically, I'll give you a, a rundown here. Kirk Cousins, obviously, he wanted money, guaranteed money. Uh, in this off season, the Redskins said no. They wanted the franchise. They wanted, sorry, they wanted Cousins to sign a team-friendly long-term deal, uh, lo- and you know lower his uh, salary. But then they ultimately settled on the uh, on the franchise tag. So there's been some tension, obviously, between Cousins and the Redskins throughout the season. And the Redskins now are at six three and one, and Cousins plays trending upward. But there's still a prove-it campaign for Cousins uh, still at this point, and that. Was on that tension was on display when we saw Cousins give a congratulative slap to uh, he sort of slapped I think Scott McLuhan in the stomach and then promptly screamed "How do you like me now?" into into uh, McLuhan's ear and then uh, he tried to give him a hug and then it got very awkward but then McLuhan replied "That's good, that's good stuff, man." So. One thing, Kirk Cousins is keeping vines alive at this point. He's just every week there's a vine of Kirk Cousins and it's spectacular. Yeah, vine vine was supposed to close down weeks ago, but, but Kirk, Kirk Cousins, is, Cousins is keeping it alive. Hopefully, you'll get paid enough that he can just purchase vine the, the company vine and just keep it going. We can just change it to Cousins and Cousins. just call it Cousins, and you just post just Cousins all the time. Uh, but he's carrying that on on his back. But he's been. He's been unreal the last few weeks, and he knows that he's about to get a whole stack of money. And it's it's paid off for the Redskins, which we talked about at the start of the year, is if Kirk Cousins plays really well, it's obviously going to cost them a crap load of money, but it's a good situation to have because you've found an answer. Yeah. Um, we, we said this at the start of the season, and we also said when he was performing bad that we didn't like him. We thought he was bad. <laughs> And I still... but we said, but we said we wouldn't be surprised if you know he does what he does every single season and just gets a roll on and then looks good and then gets paid anyway. So yep, we did we did uh, you know put a little escape clause in there for ourselves, and I think we're going to use that escape clause. <laughs> yes, and we're going to go back but, and delete the tapes. <laughs> yeah, and episode episode one 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 will be gone forever. Yes, no, yeah. So that I he is going to get paid. I think it's it. He, the final deal and the final price and everything will still come down to how well they perform in the last few weeks. Because, I mean, they have a few divisional games and the NFC East is going to feature heavily in the playoffs with wherever, how, yeah. however the NFC unfolds. So I think exactly the, the Redskins are pre- performing far better than the Giants and yet the Giants are just winning still. So yeah, I think, that's our next topic, actually. So, uh... yeah. So, but I think the final game of the, uh, one of the, the, when it's coming down to you know the games against the Eagles, Eagles are you know are still going to be a thorn in the the Redskins side if you know if they if they lose there and we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Who knows? They might up, they might be the team to upset the, yeah. the Cowboys. Exactly, but this is what Kirk Cousins did last year, right? He he won these games and beat bad teams, and the Packers are a bad team. The Vikings are a bad team. Last week he had a draw with the Bengals, who were proven to be a bad team. Uh, you know, like he's beating on bad teams, but he's still doing it in a pretty good fashion. He's got a hundred and point hundred point four quarterback rating since becoming the Redskins starter. But 
yeah, I need to see it in the playoffs. I need to see him carry a team because I feel like he, he I don't know, I feel like it could hamstrung the, the Redskins because is he the quarterback that can actually lead you to the Super Bowl? Or do you think... He's good enough that you just need to you just need to build that roster up, and he's he's able to just get you over the hump in that direction. Yeah, I, t- to be honest, I still don't think he's a great quarterback. I think I I know we haven't seen it from him, and we haven't seen enough from him. But I mean, coming winning fourth quarter, um, you know, drives against good teams and things like that, we haven't seen that from him. Yep. We haven't seen anything like that from him. So until we see that. Not just once, but you know, possibly a few times. We're just going to have to keep. Yeah. It's kind of just going to have to be a guessing game. And I mean, I'd hate to be in that position for the Redskins. I'd hate to be in that position, especially if you know he makes the playoffs and then loses against a good team. You might have to think, well, it was a tough team they lost against, right? But mm. but he did have a good final stretch. But then he didn't verse anyone difficult, and they're just in the same position they were last season. Exactly. So, That's. I feel like I it's know. it's it's bizarre. But then you got to look at the alternative. Like he probably is the twelfth best quarterback in the NFL, and the alternative to that's probably not not great. Uh, the draft isn't strong, and they're going to be picking at the bottom of that round one, at that round one. That's a, <laughs> that's actually what I was going to stretch into. But for the for the Redskins, obviously, Brock Osweiler got given $72 million contract, 37 guaranteed. Cousins is absolutely way better than Brock Osweiler is or will ever be. So is, you know, is Cousins really worth $21 million per year? Like, in a vacuum, you probably think not. But that's the going rate for franchise quarterbacks at this point, And that's what the Redskins are going to have to pay. And, you know, Scott McLuhan does a great job of, of building a roster together. And he's done a hell of a job with like players like Jamison Crowder and Preston Smith and... And things like that, but if you've got a twenty-one million dollar per year quarterback, that's going to put you in a little bit of a, a, a tough situation in trying to acquire talent and pay players like Josh Norman and Preston Smith when he wants a new deal and Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah, I think the the Washington front office still needs to be smart though. And if you know Cousins goes, well, look what Osweiler got paid. They've just got to say, you know, well, we're not effing idiots. <laughs> Kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Romo. So Albert Breer tweeted that the 2017 veteran quarterback market looks pretty interesting. So we've got Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Jay Cutler, and potentially Sam Bradford. Uh, so that's that's a lot of a lot of all right quarterbacks available on the market. Who do you like the best besides Romo? Who do I like the best out of apart from Romo? God, that's tough. It's the sample size on Jimmy Garoppolo is so small. And he played in the New England system, which is so helpful to any player at any position because you put him as, you know, position to succeed. And we've seen it, you know, Tom Brady, despite his age, just killing it. I know he's a freak, but still, Garoppolo played pretty much on par with that uh, the first couple of starts. So, I don't know, it's hard to go past Cousins, but Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like, could be a really interesting, interesting player outside of New England. Yeah. I mean, I... I'd love to see what Cutler's like out of that toxic environment. Yeah, or maybe, I, I wanna... or is he the toxic environment? Yeah, but see, that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, yeah. if you ask Brandon Marshall, I think he'd say that Cutler is toxic yeah. himself. So, Brandon look, Marshall's been that... dro- driven out of multiple locker rooms in his career as well. Exactly. So, I think it's just a wait and see kind of kind of deal. I think Kirk Cousins will stay there. Yep. Romo would surprise me if he was Dak Prescott's backup, to be honest. So, I mean. 
No, I feel we'll like see. I feel like he'll go, but we'll wait and see. But it, it will be interesting. It is, yeah, you're right. Jay Cutler on somewhere like Arizona, who uh, we could have very easily mentioned in this in this podcast as someone to talk about as as the Cardinals. But uh, we'll wait and see how they bounce back after a tough loss. But there's just too many other things to talk about this week. Uh, the next the next one is uh, talking about the. It's time to talk about the Giants and the Lions. Really, are they good or are they lucky? Because this one was from Connor Orr today on NFL.com, and I found this nugget really interesting. He said, according to NFL research, the team's margin of victory over their seven wins—that's the Giants—is just twenty-seven points, which is the lowest margin of victory over that time span in NFL history. And the Lions currently have a twenty-four point margin of victory over six games and they play the Vikings on Thanksgiving so if they win by three or less then they will actually tie or go or beat the record so these two teams are winning games by tiny margins so are they good or are they lucky I think they're good and lucky in two respects I I feel like I, I feel the Giants are more lucky than the Lions I feel like the Lions are at the the (laughs) really yeah I, I, okay, I, in the actual games themselves that they're playing in, I feel like, obviously, the Lions are lucky in regards to some of the games, the penalties that they've had and things like that. But they have they have been grinding games. And then in regards outside of the games, the division this year, they're extremely lucky that the yep. division that they're in is just self-imploding and that they're running away. I feel... They're very lucky in like the grand scheme of things and like in the division side and in the Giants, I feel like they're far more lucky in the games that mm. there's been some things to cover up. Like, I mean, I know I'm kind of drawing on the Philadelphia game here with the Giants, yep. but I mean, Eli escaped playing a pretty poor game and they still managed to score plenty of points and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like you said, like you said, the, the what was the lowest margin of victory in history over that many games? Yep. It's just that is that I, I, that screams lucky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it does scream lucky, and I feel like if I'm picking the two, I feel like the Lions are, the Lions are more lucky than the Giants. I just look at the Giants and I think they they can grind out wins, but it move like projecting forward. I think the the Giants have a more more chance to be good and and go on a go on a bit of a run. Uh, Landon Collins is playing unreal right now. Uh, talk about it making the leap from his rookie year to this year. He's been phenomenal, and their pass rush is starting to get a little bit better and things like that. But the Lions have played for, from behind in all 10 games this season, and they've come in, come out in front in six of them. And then before Sunday, they've they've been like their wins have come less than 96, 90 seconds remaining in, in regulation. So it's just I feel like they're just it's just not sustainable for the Lions. I feel like that's just not a good formula to win games. It's just not sustainable, just grinding out these wins with 90 seconds on the clock and being behind in the fourth quarter all the time. I just feel like game to game, they are the luckiest. And they're actually the three seed at the moment in the playoffs, which them and the Texans, the two worst three seeds three seeds I've ever seen at this point in the season. I know you're saying they're lucky the way they're grinding out the wins, right? But I, I know for a fact scientific fact that if this was say the charges and they would have done this you would be calling them amazing and you would say you would be saying hey, phil rivers is leave incredible phil, leave phil rivers out of this <laughs> i so, so would i i'm not no, saying no, that no, i no, wouldn't it's we right. both would but it's i think it's just in uh you know in 
putting it in perspective who's doing it and it's a team that, you know, it's kind of unexpected but, from the fact that they're doing it. But the Chargers on the other side, they're, they're lucky in terms of they've been, is that a word, bad lucky? They've been bad luck. Like, they've had those 99% wins that they've that they've lost and through just, obviously, Mike McCoy, obviously, just crazy in madness as a, as a coach in crunch time. But there's been just some just some brutal bad luck and, and things like that on the other side of the foot. But, uh, look, the Lions, I'm not going to take anything away from them. Matt Stafford's been great and Jim Bob Cooter's been great. I just, just don't see it as sustainable, whereas I think the Giants could actually develop into something good, even though I feel like they have ab- absolutely have been lucky and they've had a, a pretty good schedule, but it's going to start to toughen up for the Giants moving forward. Yeah, I think, to be honest, it's been a it's been the worst overall season team wise for so many teams in the NFL. Yeah. It's a really it's a really, really, really down average year. Yeah. And I think the that difference between any, the the eighth best team and the twenty third best team is nothing. Yeah, and any other any other year, these these two teams would be third, fourth in the division. They're just they're not that good. No. But it's it's just, you know, it's just how the season's unfolding. Saying that, I think we thought that the Giants defense they overspent, and we were going to, you know, I think, I think we thought that it wouldn't be as successful as it is. I mean, the defense isn't exactly shutting other teams out, but I think, like, like you're seeing with Collins and things like that, it is benefiting the rest of it the is team. benefiting, yeah, the rest of the team around, and they're all stepping yeah. up a little bit. I thought that maybe one of them would just be a bust and just not a bust, but just be a complete disaster. But all three yeah. of their big, big signings, Snacks Harrison and Janoris Jenkins and Olivia Vernon are all, I guess Vernon's probably underperformed a little bit, but he's starting the last couple of weeks to really start to get hot now. And, and, and that happened last year in Miami where he started really, really slow and just came home like a, I don't know what what the saying is. Bad out of hell. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do. He uh, like a house on fire. I guess is that a saying? But he just he just came home so strong last year, and he's doing it the same. He's starting to get. He's starting to be. You know, he's warmed up and ready to roll. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But uh, you mentioned how the weird the season is. Like the Chiefs last week, this time last week, were being talked about as a, a serious AFC contender, and they're built to beat the Patriots and. They're the, the sleeper and the dark horse in the AFC. But how can you take them seriously when they lose a game like that at home? Did you hear the theory about the Chiefs that they only like going under the radar and that <laughs> the as soon as they were going under the radar for so long and they no one was really talking about them, they had the same, you know, the feeling about the Chiefs was the same. They thought, you know, they're overall well-rounded good team led by you know a good game managing quarterback and things like that and they were just saying you know they're going on about their way we'll see him in the we'll see him in the playoffs and they'll most likely choke to one of the bigger teams kind of thing like that except then a little bit of heat picked up this week and then you know they were like Uh-oh. wait a minute the Chiefs <laughs> are 17 out of out of their last 19 and you know they're, they're on fire and Andy Reid was like not nah, enough of this shut it down <laughs> shut it down now <laughs> We've we've been found out, and then that was it. I can't remember where I read that. Oh, that's amazing! That is so amazing. Just shut it down. We could not have any hype whatsoever. We'll just shut it all down. That's amazing. But obviously, but do do you like it that? Do you like it that it was Houston's 
like first game back, or wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and they got no pressure against the beat up Bucks line. <laughs> it just it. And they lose. <laughs> oh man! Like everything was pointing to the Chiefs. Like it was the best bet of the week, and I just can't believe that that happened. And it just it killed all my multis, killed everything. But obviously, yep. Marcus Peters being out was huge for them as well. So like obviously, it's it's hard to take them seriously and expect them to to do well in games. But he's huge for them. He. He can shut down a, a, a number one wide receiver, and, and Mike Mike Evans went off for 108 yards on nine catches. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, without Marcus Peters on the field, but it's just so hard. Like I finally bought in. I've always just I've always been the the coldest person in the so any Chiefs, and I finally bought in on them. And they just they just put up that at home. Can you yeah get Bucks. off them because I I like them. So you got to. You get off the I'm, I'm back. At, I'm back on to being. I'm going into that theory that you read off. I'm back off. I am now a Chiefs skeptic, and I'm not taking them seriously. Uh, Good. Uh, but if they are going to make a run, they've got uh, plenty of games. They've got four chances within the division in the final seven weeks, which is just perfect because this division is probably the the closest and the toughest, apart from in the AFC. That's for sure. Anyway, uh, not including the NFC East, but they they play Denver twice, Oakland once, and San Diego once as well. So. There's plenty of chopping and changing in that division that we can see moving I, forward. Speaking of that, though, I find it amazing that Tampa is second in their division and they're only one yeah, one right. win off first place. It's incredible. And everyone wants to talk about the Saints and, and the Panthers, but Tampa are there at five and five. But it's just but if you if you if you would watch the games this year and you know you weren't really like you know obviously as dedicated as we are. You would think Tampa was at the bottom of their division going nowhere. I think they are the worst team in the division, really, but that's it's always weird. The records never really say – they're not a true indicator of your team. I think they're they're very inclined on giving the ball back to Doug Martin, though, now. He, uh, he's, he, featured, he featured very heavily. He played very, very well as well. And I mentioned, talking about a record, Doug Baldwin, after his uh, win uh, against Philly, mentioned uh, that – they now will probably be the number one team in DVOA. So it was interesting to see that the Seahawks pay attention to football outsiders DVOA, especially like Doug Baldwin to talk about that, um, you know, analytics and things. In the same week, we had uh, Bill Belichick got asked about analytics and things, and he said you can put your metric in. He said you can put your analytics in something and metric them all you want. That was his saying. It was amazing saying. <laughs> but it's just, uh, it's, it was really cool to see that, that players pay attention to something like that. Yeah, I mean, you you, to be honest, you've got the players that don't let anything get to them. They don't pay attention to anything in the media or anywhere else. They just focus on their own game. And then you've got the others that mm. will use everything to their advantage and they'll just, you know. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting. It is. It's good so, to see uh, that. I'm glad that uh, me mentioning football outsiders and DVOA on the show is, you know, it's credible now. Doug Baldwin uses it. That's all I need. Uh, all right, last topic of the week before we wrap up the show. What does Jeff Fisher need to do to get fired? Because they had a 10-0 lead, and then he just turned into this, who has already had a conservative play calling, but he just, it was just ultra-conservative, pathetic play calling. He didn't trust his quarterback. This is the quarterback that he and upper management decided to trade up for just months ago in the draft and, and sell a mozza to get him. But they don't let him throw the ball longer than two or three yards on third and short. They called a screen. Uh, it just felt like they're playing not to lose rather than win. Do you know what? Right, right before the uh, Monday morning games, I had pretty much decided that I was going to send a text message to you and say, hey, by the way, I'm changing my Rams Miami tip. 
and I'm going with the Rams and I just feel like, you know, somehow they're going to win this. And then I didn't send it. I, I fell asleep, woke up and I was like, nah, we'll just, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. It sounds crazy. Thank yep. goodness. Because at one point, you know, 10 nil up, you're thinking, damn it, that would have sounded so smart. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think at the same time, I know like, just Goff played putridly. Like, he just, he doesn't look good. The I, guy, feel like the, really... I feel like he's not in an offense where he's put to succeed. Like, obviously, look, his stats were horrible. It was 17 of 31 for 134 yards without a touchdown or a pick. But that's just, the the game plan from Fisher was, just doesn't suit anyone, really. Like, he played in an ultra, like, high, he played in an air raid offense in college, and now you're playing him in this. Oh, it's, it's incredible. It's, and it was disgusting. Did you see you see the stats for third down between them oh, both? Oh, it was shocking. So they had 24, 24 third down attempts, and they, both teams combined converted three. Yeah, and I think all like two of them from the Dolphins were those last two drives where Tannehill decided yeah. to like you know like he was he was pretty bad for most of that game. But the Rams' defense is really good. Like their defense. Oh no, it's, it, it their, is a very good. Their, unit. their complete defense is just unreal. They're just being anchored down by their offense and Jeff Fisher. So like it's tough for for any team to score in in the in the rain and the the horrible windy rainy conditions that that was in LA. Which uh, by the way, uh, listener Max Quinn uh, from Triple J. Uh, it was something, I saw his tweet, it was like something like 10 years in the making for him to finally attend an LA, LA Rams game, and the first game he chooses is this one, and it's just the, the, the horrible weather, it, probably the worst game to watch. <laughs> I'm feeling for you, Max. Unfortunately, I couldn't get you the win, but I think he was watching uh, LeBron James play today or tomorrow. I feel like he's seeing other games, so that'll make up for the trip, but just horrible, horrible weather conditions and whatnot, but Miami just... Miami came up in trumps, and Ryan Tannehill played good when it mattered and got the win, and that's the type of game that Miami's sort of prone to losing over the last few years. Yep. Uh, in Going back to your question, what Fisher needs to do? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. I'm completely out of... I'm kind of torn, because I, I really want him to get fired now, because I just just get rid of him, because he's just frustrating. I, he had his hat need, backwards you... from half the game. He looked like the dog character on that Homer voice on The Simpsons. My, by the way, uh, my girlfriend ripped on backwards cap wearing people today. Just said, "Why do you?" Ugh, little, little bit of a rant there, and wow. just leaving a big spot. Why, why do you, why do you even wear a hat if you wear it backwards? There's no point. How often and does I was she? Like, how often does she go on these rants? I don't know. Oh. Not, not very often, but should you know, give her a platform. When she's here. passionate about something. Yeah, when she's passionate about something. No, she wasn't that. Agro, but oh, it was just. It, I think it was a bit of mixed with. Uh, it was a bit of an imbecile on the road who was wearing his hat backwards. Yeah, okay. So, so she just w- decided to go at that. Yeah, you're bad driver, and you wearing your cap backwards. If if she feels like going on record with a rant in the off season, we should g- definitely give her a platform because I feel like she'd uh, have. We, a... we might have a girlfriend rant segment. I think it, I think it would be good. I think it would be good, but I kind of torn with uh, Fisher. They, they probably just ran on, on, about the podcast. Yeah, so about how we we idea. barely see them and how it takes up the time and ruins their weekends. And look, we could talk openly now. We're fifty minutes in. If they're 
still listening, then obviously they, they must enjoy then the podcast. Then we deserve to get in trouble. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because we're being entertaining. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of torn because I want Fisher to get fired because I just want someone else in there. I just want to see an offense. I want to see something. I don't want to see Goff get wasted, but I kind of want to see Fisher finish with four more losses and be the all-time leader, um, passing Dan Rees with 165 career losses. But uh, Jeff Fisher... Would with... you rather him than Pagano? I said that a few weeks ago because I was really mad at Pagano, but I just don't think I could do it. Hey, I just Jeff Fisher is that bad that I would rather chuck Pagano. It would be very interesting to see what he'd do with that team. Because you he... know he you know he'd be able to um, you know build some kind of defense. Mm. He'd trade all your wide receivers to get it. But True. He would. That's fine. Well, he wouldn't. Uh, although the Rams have drafted a lot of wide receivers in the first round, funnily enough, so he would yeah. suit well with Ry Grigson. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I guess like he is 21 games over 500 when he had uh, McNair, and I think he's well under 500 without McNair. So that is interesting. Like if the franchise quarterbacks there in place, and maybe Grigson could choose the offensive coordinator, we might might see a different story. But I just you know it's just so hard to see. But that loss that he had on the weekend, he tied Tom Landry for the second most losses in NFL history despite coaching 82 fewer games. So he had 336 to get to the mark. Landry took 418. So it's pretty bad percentage, pretty bad rate that he's climbing at. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know what the, what the front office of the Rams sees, but yeah. it's, it I is... think he'll be there next year as well. <laughs> Wait and see. So the Rams record after 10 games through the Jeff Fisher era... In 2012, 3-6-1, and then since 2013, so four seasons now, including this year, 4-6 and six after 10 games every every year now. 4-6-4-6-4-6-4-6. Just the textbook definition of below mediocre. He is yeah, just... That, brilliant. Let's sign him to an extension. Yeah, I feel like that needs to be a, a rule now. So any team that finishes 4-6 and six after 10 games, you're on the, uh, the Fisher line. Or something. The Fisher <laughs> something scale. Like that. Yeah, the Fisher weights. I don't know. We need something. We come up with something more creative. Listeners, so your birthday is officially not Jeff Fisher Day anymore. Well, it's Jeff official. Fisher it is. is officially. Oh, my goodness. I'm not <gasps> giving you that. That's gross. <laughs> no, I can't be 8-8 eight eight now. That's because um, he's just worse than that. So, at this point, it's going to be lucky to get to that 7-9 bull <laughs> that he talked about on Hard Knocks. <laughs> Uh, you watch him. You that's, watch the winning streak happen. That's going to backfire so much, that opening hard knock scene. I remember that happened with um, Bill O'Brien last season when he said that he respected the quarterback room and that they're good quarterbacks and ended up signing Brock Osweiler for $72 million. Right. <laughs> when he could have just kept Brian Hoyer. <laughs> or oh, went for Cutler. Yes, that's right. Unreal. Unbelievable. All right, uh, that's the show. That's the show. Any last thoughts on Week 11 or anything that uh, you want to... Talk about from week 11 before we wrap this up. No, I had a pretty good day, pretty good week. Yep. Ah, yep. I, I want to mention, well, we're in a reality sports online league where you uh, have a salary cap and you bid on players, and you were undefeated at this point uh, until this oh, season. Oh, all right, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah, I came up in a big spot. Half, half my team's gone and injured. No, I know, fine, I'll take it. But you were cruising to some easy victories, so uh, I just want to get one up on you this, this season. Boy, I, I am the highest-scoring team in the league, thank you very much. I think you'll find that that'll change now after this week. We'll wait and see. 
But, uh, yeah, I just want to say that we are officially probably out now of the Scott Fishbowl, uh, the 2016. AJ Green injuries probably going to kill us at this point. Uh, too many injuries, losing Big Ben for a few weeks and whatnot. So, oh well, we've got excuses. We've got you know, yeah, we've got the Pagano, we've got the Hugh Jackson, we've got the Jeff Fisher excuses. We'll yeah. be fine. We'll uh, we'll go with that. So uh, we're probably out of that race, but it was fun, and we thank Scott Fish for uh, allowing us, and hopefully. I think we can try and see if we'll both have a team each next year in it, and uh, we might get him on the show to talk about the concept and and whatnot in the off season. But that's it. That's the show. You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Woot on Twitter at Woot etc. You can follow the show at Woot NY. We're on Facebook, Twitter. You can listen on uh, Stitcher, iTunes, Wooshka, and please listen on Thursday for our Thanksgiving preview.